Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. We'll make sure that they have the help their citizens need and they can continue to defend themselves. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a pork butt on the grill I need tending to. That's that, your president. That barbecue still happened on Sunday, didn't it? That still happened. And by the way, today, President Biden put a lid on everything at about 1151. <laughs> Just that's, I mean, you've got Americans being held hostage, Americans slaughtered in Israel, and you put a lid today on your whole thing at 1151, and then yesterday went ahead with that little barbecue of the White House. If I had any faith that he was actually working on freeing these Americans or coming up with a plan, I'd be fine with putting on the li- put a lid on the day. But he's probably going somewhere to take another nap. And this is a problem because Americans have died. And there are reports of more people missing, possibly being held hostage by these Hamas terrorists overseas. Oh, no, the militants, right? Is that the word you keep seeing in mainstream media? The militants? Right. No, they're terrorists backed by a terrorist state, which would be Iran. Which Biden's been buddy-buddy with. Look, I understand that maybe not all of that $6 billion has been accessed yet by the Iranians. It might still be sitting in an account. But the fact that you went out of your way to give the money to the Iranians, when you know damn well their intents are not good when it comes to citizens of this country. Like, I'm sorry, if I owed O.J. Simpson money, O.J. could probably wait for a while before I'm in a real hurry to scratch that guy a check. But when it comes to Iran, hot damn, Joe Biden can't get enough. I mean, they know they have $6 billion coming to them at some point. They could just draw down from another account. It's not that easy to to figure this out. Right. They can (laughs) spend a little bit of what they have and then know they've got a fallback. And again, death toll around 1200 depending on which report you see and that's going to grow uh, this is grizzly stuff yeah, it's too. awful like for this younger generation some of these millennials and whoever comes after that you're going to see some stuff here that you've never seen this isn't like the movies this isn't hollywood where there are certain things that you think might happen but never do There are really no rules of engagement here. And some of the videos that I've already seen on social media, Nige, are disgusting. Yeah, I won't do it. I I just can't look at that stuff. I know what's happening. I don't know where it's going on. I just, I I can't do it. B.B. Netanyahu of Israel claims that Hamas terrorists have kidnapped children, handcuffed children, and executed children. And I'm scrolling through Twitter this past Sunday. You know, it's during the football games, and I'm trying to get a little bit of a break from the real world and just decompress. And, you know, I'm trying to find the latest on Anthony Richardson's injury. And I follow a lot of news accounts. Some of these videos, man, I saw a guy getting butchered with an axe in his own home. I mean, these are the kind of things that are happening. 
and we're just getting started. Because if you think Israel is going to just sit back and be diplomatic about this, you're wrong. Nah, I think they pretty much have the right to do whatever it is they have to do in order to eliminate Hamas, which includes Israeli boots on the ground in the Gaza Strip. Maybe that's why breaking news from Reuters, Hamas official says group is open to discussions over truce with Israel. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, think BB is on board with that. No, not at all. I will say the footage of uh, missiles raining down upon Israel, but the Iron Dome that's protecting them was pretty damn amazing last night. So as for our president, Joe Biden himself, in his own words, said he found out about the attack Saturday morning. He said he woke at around 7.30 or 8 o'clock and then began making phone calls. like eight hours after the attack started, right? Right. Could somebody not wake him up? I'm sorry. There's got to be a bat phone somewhere where you say, I know you're sleeping. I know it's two o'clock in the morning, but we've got a major world crisis going on right now that warrants your attention. They let him sleep until 730, eight o'clock in the morning. And then on Sunday, this scheduled barbecue still took place at the White House. Now, I'm sorry if Joe Biden would have came out and said, listen, this barbecue scheduled families of the White House, you enjoy it. I'm going back to the Situation Room. I've got work to do. Okay, fine. But that's not what happened. So that shows you how seriously, or the lack thereof, Joe Biden is taking this. Here's an update on what's happening today. This is Fox reporter Trey Yinkst. Hamas, the group that normally controls just Gaza, sending in militants from Hamas and Islamic Jihad on motorcycles and in pickup trucks. They opened fire on a concert that was taking place here in southern Israel. And they went and took over homes in these kibbutz that sit along the border, these small communities where people live often, uh, more religious, uh, more rural population in Israel. And they ultimately took over many of these areas, killing some civilians and capturing others. Hamas, the group in control of Gaza, says that they have taken dozens of Israeli citizens and soldiers hostage. We have seen disturbing video from inside the Gaza Strip of Israelis being dragged through the streets here in southern Israel. Israeli troops worry there are still Palestinian infiltrators in this region. They remain on high alert. What we have seen here along the border, pure devastation. Mothers holding their injured children, pulling them out of cars and putting them into ambulances. Soldiers trying to revive their friends who died in front of our cameras. It is hell on earth for the population of Israel as this conflict has erupted with Hamas. And Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the country is at war. And it is not going to get better anytime soon. Former U.N. ambassador and current presidential candidate Nikki Haley She went on Meet the Press this past weekend, and she makes some valid points here. I want you to listen to Nikki Haley on how this Hamas terror attack should be a warning sign to people here in the United States. 
What I want the American people to know is what happened when they were dragging those people in the streets. What happened when they were murdering innocent Israelis? The Hamas and the backers who support them, the, the Iranian regime, were, were chanting death to Israel, death to America. That's what we have to remember. We are united with Israel because we are united because both Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, and the Iranian backers, they hate us. And we we have to remember that what happened to Israel could happen here in America, and I hope that we all unite and stand with Israel. That was Nikki Haley on Meet the Press. And as always, anytime there's a major conflict, there are going to be people who find themselves on the controversial side of things, right? We do have freedom of speech and expression in this country, and it's a great and wonderful gift. It is. But if you ever find yourself protesting in support of the people who are murdering children. Yeah. You're probably a horse's ass. And this Thursday at 5:30 here on Monument Circle, it's the Free Palestine Day of Resistance. It's a rally for Palestine set at 5:30 Right out here on the steps of the I just, monument. I, I don't get it. Palestinians in Gaza allowing Hamas to maneuver and plot and operate within that area. And they're on the sides of the people that slaughtered innocent human beings at a concert. At that concert, when you mentioned, I mean, there was 236 bodies alone gone at that concert. Like you said, elderly people dragged out of their homes, these terrorist attacks. And demonstrations across the country hammer over the weekend in support of that. Another group supporting these terrorist monsters is Black Lives Matter Indianapolis. At Indy 10 People, BLM, the Indianapolis version of Black Lives Matter. Here's a couple tweets they put out over the last couple of days. Free Palestine can, will, and should be in solidarity solidarity with Palestine always. What are you prepared to do on behalf of the Palestinian people? Now, I'd like to remind everyone that downtown by IUPUI, or whatever it's called now, Indiana University, Indianapolis, there's a big bridge that connects a couple different things, and it's got Black Lives Matter across it. This is downtown Indianapolis on that school's campus. How would you feel if you were a Jewish student attending IUPUI and you see that up there and the Indie BLM group is out here supporting basically the attempted annihilation of your people in Israel? Here's another one for you, Hammer. A spokesman for Hamas just said that they are going to start executing civilian hostages they took from Israel on live TV for every airstrike that hits a civilian in Gaza, which happens as a result of Hamas using them as human shields. And BLM Indy is rooting for that. Oh, yeah. Black Lives Matter Indy is rooting for that. So, again... Think about all those super woke companies that guilted people into trying to donate to Black Lives Matter during the Summer of Love in 2020. All the Sun Kings, all these places like that, where it was basically just a bunch of white dudes trying to look progressive. Where did the money go? Where did your money go? Because it sure as hell didn't go here to Indianapolis. In addition to you helping Patrice Cullors find another beautiful mansion to live in, 
you are supporting the organization that's going to be out here Thursdays at 5.30 on the steps of the monument celebrating the death of women and children in Israel. And that is absolutely disgusting. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. What's it is, your lips? It's so good. It's booze news, booze news. Yeah. Listen to this hammer, this bus driver, a school bus driver, Long Island, was fired after being uh, caught drinking a white claw while driving students. <laughs> Got the Is hard that wrong? Should that not have happened? Was that wrong? The driver was caught when the students noticed the beverage in the cup holder. <laughs> Here are parents and people in the community outraged and reacting to the story. I think it's crazy, and it needs to be addressed. Yeah, that's not good. Not at all. Yeah, especially with the kids on the bus. My daughter's a teacher, and she would never allow that. That's a regular thing. If he's so blatant with it, it's regular. I think it's a disaster. I mean, I have a kid that goes on a school bus, and... Uh, uh, that's pretty scary, yeah. Yeah, probably wasn't the first time, like that lady said. Right. I mean, it's, if it's out there, if it's in the open like that, just sitting there in his cup holder, not the first time it's happened. Pretty sure that was an ongoing thing, a regular basis type of deal. How brazen do you have to be to not even just pour it in like a to-go cup or whatever, but to have the actual can just sitting out going, yeah, catch me if you want, but here it is. The very definition of a alcoholic right there. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there's red solo cups for a reason. Right. You don't have any sort of cup with a lid or yeah. a straw. I mean, good Lord. More booze news. Oh, more? The former mayor of a town in Ohio was arrested after seemingly driving while drunk and being know. involved in a high-speed chase that ended in a crash. Here is the former mayor, Kathy Lukes. It's a lady getting pulled over, driving off, crashing, and then being arrested by the officer. I guess you're going 43 and a 25, and your plates are expired. Go and put the car in park. And she made a right hand turn on the burger and crashed into a truck. Are you hurt? Yeah. What's hurting? Everything. I was the mayor of the city of North Wilton. I have been so used. <laughs> can we play that last part again? See if we can make out what she's saying. I have been so what? So used. We'll get back further when they when they caught her. I have been so used. I have no idea, but she's hammered. Well, she said, she said what hurts. Everything. I was the I was the mayor of North Royalton. And I have been so <laughs> Like, what scares me, and I know we talk about this, we laugh at it when we see these stories, but this is actually scary stuff. You know, I've got a kid that's out driving the streets. Now. Oh, yeah. You know, he's out driving, and there are people hammered like this broad, you know, just turning the wrong way down down streets, taking off away from the police, swerving, speeding. I mean, it's a mess out there, man. Like, when the day comes, Nige, and you have to teach your kids how to drive, I think the main message you have to tell them is, look, I trust you. It's the other morons yes. that are out there that you have to keep an open it's eye on. defensive driving. Um, oh, I got one for you. Do we have time for one? We got time for one more, right? Yeah. These restaurants. 
Some restaurants are now charging cleaning fees for drunks who vomit inside. Good. <laughs> Good for them. Multiple restaurants in San Francisco, of all places, are charging super drunk guests 50 bucks cleaning fees if they get sick inside and make a mess. They say it has become a problem and their staff are tired of dealing with it. I'd make it more than 50 bucks. <laughs> well, they don't have a problem with the poop bum pooping on the corner. Nothing they can do about that. Well, that's true. But the customers coming in and getting rowdy drunk and puking all over the place. <laughs> We're going to put a stop to it, damn it. That syringe that's in a pile of poo in front of the building that's just fine but if you throw up inside it's 50 bucks Dude, what happened to me i'll tell you like one time in nashville we went to see my buddy play triple a ball is knoxville or nashville and we've been we've been going at it pretty hard and we walk into this bar and immediately i go to the bathroom and puke but i did it in the toilet i did it in a nice neat fashion i didn't you know i held it I, but the security walked in as i was washing my hands and face and i was ready to go puke and rally right right sorry buddy you gotta go I go, oh, man, come on, I'm fine. I just had a bad shot tonight. I just said, and he kicked me out. So we eventually all had to go somewhere else. I didn't have to pay a cleaning fee, though, because I made it to the toilet. So from the time you simply walked into the bathroom, <laughs> the guy realized you were oh, yeah. so out of control, <laughs> you have to go. Yep. Just seeing you walk was yep. enough for this guy. <laughs> Impressive. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. You are not going to find many people that have a better resume than this gentleman, former FBI and Naval Intelligence Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Lieutenant, welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's get right into it here. Based off of your years of experience, knowing what you know, would this attack in Israel have happened if there was a stronger leader in the White House here in the United States? Absolutely not. Uh, let me share this with you. I, I could not believe when I saw this invasion uh, on Israel, the breaching of their border, hand gliders, uh, missiles, rockets, and ground troops, if you will, uh, capturing not only uh, those individuals who were living in their own life uh, in their neighborhoods, but also a military base. So something went terribly, terribly wrong with uh, not only Israeli intelligence, but with American intelligence. And this administration, a few things they did that I believe emboldened the enemies to do this. And by the way, they're not through with us yet. Uh, to begin with, uh, a $6 billion ransom for uh, a, a hostage. Uh, Joe Biden uh, trying to negotiate with the Iranians to be nice guys, to play nice on the street. And then the defunding of our uh, law enforcement agencies around the, uh, not only in America, but around the world. you got to remember that when we're talking about the funding the police, we're talking about the funding the intelligence organizations that keep this country safe. So absolutely not. It would have never happened under an administration, and I would say a Republican administration, because there is a pattern here. When the Democrats are in charge, we're at war with somebody. When the Republicans are in charge, we're not at war. Lieutenant, what role should the United States play in this scenario? I mean, Israel does have a powerful military, and I know some of our aircraft carriers are um, are on their way there to um, Israel, but what, what message is that sending exactly that we are sending aircraft carriers there? Well, I would say that under different circumstances, uh, our aircraft carriers, our strike groups there would send a very strong message to Iran in particular, uh, just don't cross the line. But these individuals, these terrorists, these terrorist states, 
Uh, we can add China to it, uh, Iran. Our enemies know and believe that we are weak and that there's going to be no response. So we need to do what Ronald Reagan did to Muammar Gaddafi years ago, launch the missiles, take him out, take his whole darn community out. Uh, we need to do what he did, and that will send the message. Look, these, these terrorists, they, they're thugs, they're cowards, they're savages. Uh, they, they only know one language, and that's force. We have the power. We have to have the will to use it. Chatting with Lieutenant Steve Rogers, former FBI and Naval Intelligence. So we found out today, Lieutenant, that there are dead Americans. It's unconfirmed, but we're hearing reports that other Americans are missing, possibly kidnapped. If that is indeed the case, should the United States send special forces in to try to rescue these Americans? Well, yes, they should, but we should take this a step further. And by the way, I'm sure you heard in the last hour, uh, Hamas is now threatening to broadcast the execution yes. of uh, these hostages. So, so we're getting back to the point of Americans. Well, there's a declaration of war, as far as I'm concerned, on the United States of America. Special forces could go in, uh, and I believe, and I hope they're there already, but uh, the problem is you're talking about uh, thousands upon thousands of hide, hide, hideouts, homes. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time for special forces to uh, find these hostages. Uh, but I've got to tell you, uh, I think at this point we have to go to the head, and that's Iran. Uh, we have to use military force. And I realize that that could erupt into a regional war. But with us there or not, uh, these people, uh, if you want to call them people, I'll call them animals, are hell-bent on starting a regional war. So we got to get Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt. We've got to get all these guys together and say, look, you know, they did this to Israel. This is Iran we're talking about. They're going to be coming for you next. So you've got to stand with us and use the all the military force necessary not to stop them, but to obliterate them off the face of the earth. So, Lieutenant, you're saying Iran wants to draw the United States into a broader conflict. Oh, they sure do. They yeah. sure do. They, they hate us. They, they know with, with us gone, Israel's gone, and perhaps the whole free world's gone. And I think a lot of Americans don't understand that Iran is financing uh, wars all over the world. we got war going on in Africa, Somalia, you name the place, Iran is financing it. And perhaps through part of the $6 billion that uh, our good buddy there in Washington uh, handed over to them. So do you think between now and November of 2024, when there's a presidential election in this country, you're going to see more of these types of attacks, whether it's you know Russia moving into Ukraine, we're hearing China might want to take over Taiwan. Now we see what's happening in Israel. Do you expect more of this because the world sees a window of opportunity with a weak president? Yes, I do. But even more importantly, uh, I'm really worried. And I'm not a worrier and I'm not an alarmist, but now I am worried about terrorist attacks here in the United States. Our border has been open for quite some time. And when I was on the Joint Terrorism Task Force with the FBI in Washington years ago after 9-11, we were very, very concerned then that they were going to use that border, they meaning terrorist cells, to cross without being checked. But Donald Trump put a stop to it. There were Republicans that finally uh, approved building of the wall. We had it under control. But now, come on, guys, come on in. And those blue cities and sanctuary cities that welcome these people, and I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking about the bad, bad terrorists. Uh, what are they going to do now? Because these cities are now, in my view, and I'm not saying this is fact, 
Just saying it's my view. Those cities are probably going to be targeted. And I love the fact that you used the word terrorist. And that's been something Nigel and I have been talking about. For whatever reason, there's a lot of members of the media referring to these animals of Hamas as militants. Why is it so hard for so many people to call them terrorists, do you think? Uh, amazing, isn't it? Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I don't understand why it's so hard other than they don't want to, quote unquote, offend people. Well, they're offending me. They're offending innocent people around this world. I want to put an end to it. Make no mistake about it. They're terrorists. And by the way, adding to that, if and when captured, if not killed, they should be charged in a military tribunal. They're military combatants that should be charged and either sent to prison or executed. These are animals. They're terrorists. Make no mistake about it. Last thing here before we let you go. It's being reported, and again, we can't confirm this yet, but it's being reported that some of the weaponry that's been used in this awful attack uh, was from the United States, whether it was left behind in Afghanistan and later sold to uh, the Iranians, whether it came from somewhere else. Should the United States bear a little bit of responsibility for some of the horrific things that have gone on? Well, yeah, we should. Uh, but of course, you know, I, I, uh, those are things that uh, we should have checked a long time ago with regard to the weapons. But another part of that equation, and again, not fact, uh, but the, the question has been asked, what about Ukraine? Uh, there are reports out there that some of these weapons in Ukraine ended up in the hands of some bad guys. I don't know that as fact, but here's what has to be done. All, all weapons all money, everything we're sending to Ukraine or to any other place around the world at this point has to stop until we get, as the Republican Congress wants to do, audit where that money's going and whose hands are is it falling into. I wouldn't doubt that the Taliban in Afghanistan provided uh, a lot of these weapons to Hamas. So, yeah, we might have to bear. Let me let's not, let, 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 not let's say we, Joe Biden and the right. Democrat Party has to has to bear the burden the burden of the blood that's being shed now. Lieutenant Steve Rogers, former FBI and Naval Intelligence. Sir, thank you so much for your service to this country, and thank you so much for joining us here on The Hammer and Nigel Show. And thank you for getting the word out. God bless you. It's The Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Man, Colts get a home game win. Win over the Titans. I don't believe the Colts have won at home against the Titans for it's been multiples of years, hasn't it? It was a five-game yeah. losing streak to the Titans overall. And I think the Colts had the second longest home field losing streak in the entire league behind the Chicago Bears. The Colts had lost seven straight home games prior to yesterday's win over the Titans. 23-16 final score at Lucas Oil. And there we have a, a quarterback injury. Rookie Anthony Richardson out four to six weeks with a shoulder injury. That that thing, when he was walking off the field into the tunnel, it looked like his shoulder was just hanging on by a thread. Right. Ooh, it looked painful. And the thing is, it could be a lot worse. It wasn't a separated shoulder. It's an AC joint injury so four to six weeks is the timeline barring any setbacks or a surgery that he might require he will be back but until then it's Minshew mania running wild baby Gardner Minshew uh, will be the trigger man and his work's cut out for him big road divisional game next Sunday down in Jacksonville 
we owe those guys a beating. Yeah. Like the Colts have not won in Jacksonville in a long, long time. And first place is on the line, Gardner Minshew. Then over the weekend, I'm kind of scrolling through social media, keeping up with what's going on in Israel. I see the Colts have agreed to a deal with Jonathan Taylor, which kind of caught me off guard just a little bit because he held that press conference on, what was it, Thursday here in Indy when he came back? Yeah, Kevin Bowen uh, uh, from from the fan asked him if he wanted to be a Colt, and he basically gave him a big song and dance, did not answer that question directly. (laughs) Right. And then... What, 48 hours later, he got everything that he wanted. One of the highest paid running backs in the NFL, right? Top three. And of course, his backup just goes off on Sunday. Zach Moss, Moss. ripped off a 50 plus yard touchdown run, had like 20 something carries, over 150 yards rushing. The Colts bullied the Titans, and I loved it, but it was a backup quarterback and a backup running back doing the damage. Colts are uh, four-and-a-half-point dogs this Sunday in Jacksonville. Let's see if the Jags have any London jet lag, because they played two straight weeks in London, and now they're coming back for a home game against the Colts. According to a new poll of 1,000 Americans, the sexiest accent in the world is an Australian accent. Okay. Um, The least sexy, what do you think it is? Allison, I'm going to defer to you. According to this survey of 1,000 Americans, what do you think is the least sexy accent? I would say probably Boston, East Coast-ish. New York. Ah, that's close. Okay. I was going to say Beach Grove. (laughs) Beach Grove is great. I was voted sexiest man in Beach Grove four years in a row. Congratulations. Uh, Boston accents, to Allison's point, were rated the most annoying, but also the most confident. Why is somebody from Boston confident? F up some smart kids. Go to Harvard. Hockey <laughs> car. French accents were the most beautiful. British were the smartest. And the funniest sounding accents, Canadian. And I think South Park may have a little hand in that, <laughs> the way they make Terrence and Phillips sound with their Canadian accents on that program. All right, coming up next, Daisy from the Chicks on the Right will join us. Cool. We'll get her perspective on what's happening with this Israel war. That is coming up next here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Nigel, Jason Hammer right over there with the special guests on the WIBC hotline. She is one half of the chicks on the right. Daisy joins us. How are you, love? I'm good. How are you guys doing? You know, we're great here in Indy, and obviously the big story in the world is what's happening in Israel. I'm just curious as to your thoughts. I know you do the website. You guys have your own program. This is the biggest story in the world. I'm just curious for your perspective. Yeah, we um, we talked about it all this morning on our show because um, there's really no other news, right? I mean, it's it just basically overshadows every other news story that's going on. Um, even the fact that you know, even even the the news story, which I at the beginning of of the weekend, it was like you know Hillary Clinton basically wanting to deprogram everybody, and then it, this this obviously even you know overshadowed that. So I we we talked about it all this morning, and it's just you know it's horrific, and we obviously obviously 
um, stand in solidarity and support Israel. And you would not believe, like, even in our comment section, we would get uh, people that would come in. We get some trolls that would come in and start screaming at us and um, really you know, scream at. Yeah, yeah. We'd have to we'd have to ban some people that would be like, you know, free Palestine. They'd be screaming stuff at us and all sorts of nasty stuff. You you'd be surprised, and it's out there, which is it's kind of like. You know, I would. There are some leftists, surprisingly, that are trying to support Israel. I would, or even just celebrities that are trying to support Israel, and they're getting shut down. And those people are, you know, like the Kylie Jenners of the world. You know, like Kylie yeah. Jenner came out over the weekend, and she's like, "I support Israel," and and people are coming coming out in droves saying, "You can't do that." So instead of being educated about it. Because I mean, this is Kelly Jenner we're talking about, right? Right. She she took down her post that oh, wow. that I support. I mean, why she? It's just eight hundred people. Eight hundred people were slaughtered. Uh, families, elderly, dragged right. out of their homes. Uh, but children kidnapped. You can't right. come out. You can't put a benign statement like I support Israel out on Twitter. I completely agree with you, <laughs> Nigel. I mean, this is the thing. And, and but I guess you know these are a lot of the same people who supported BLM, right? Well, people, and BLM yeah. openly supports Palestine. So how do you square that? Or do they even know? You know, I think some of these right. folks just want to. These are the same folks that put the circle around their Facebook profile pic, and they're like, "I'm just supporting the, what I think I should be support." And so they just don't understand. You know, and I and I think also there's a lot of you know, this is it's a the millennials, the Gen Zers. They I don't know if they understand the gravity of this and i don't and maybe it is a generational thing like even with you we talked a little bit about this on our show this morning like our parents were a whole different breed you guys know that Mm -hmm. our grandparents were a definite whole different breed our our you know us as gen xers i mean we're kind of feral but we're you know we are a little softer than our parents but our kids generation is taught safe spaces and gender pronouns and now we're looking at all this and we we talked about how war even for us is a possibility i'm looking around and you know i told my husband over the weekend i said buy ammo we're not prepared for for war as a country i don't i don't believe that we're prepared for war i said you know make i don't feel safe i mean right you know so and and that's a conversation to be had but i mean i look at my my children and they don't They'd never experienced anything like my parents experienced when it came to, to war or wartime or just anything like this. I think when they're looking at this, it looks like a, a really bad movie. Right. And But this isn't a movie, though. This isn't like something that's produced at Hollywood where you see some blood, you see some bodies. This is right. real life. And because of the social media aspect here, I texted you over the weekend, Daisy. Right. I was scrolling through my Twitter feed on NFL Sunday. You know, I'm trying to find you know, an injury update on the Colts quarterback. And lo and behold, just a video pops up from somebody I follow of some of the grisly Ugh. things happening in it. Israel. I saw an axe attack where somebody had their head chopped with an axe. I mean, this right. is real war. This isn't Hollywood is. stuff. You're absolutely right. But I will say that Twitter, you know, there was a really great thread on Twitter over the weekend. I, I'm so sorry. I can't tell you who the person is that started it. But, um, um, they said that you know it was the best forty billion dollars that was ever spent was was Elon, um, you know, taking over Twitter, and and that's because of citizen journalism. Because I think that's the best place to get news now. Jason is yeah, is, is going to is going to Twitter. I mean, because you can't you watch the MSNBCs, the CNNs, even the Fox News is. I mean, you're not getting the right 
the most correct, uh, most timely news is out on the, the mainstream. You just can't trust the mainstream media anymore. You're getting some sort of slanted view of what the actual news is. As gruesome and awful and terrible, as horrific as it is, you're getting the, the uh, you're getting the real story on Twitter. Right. So, you know, that's where we get everything that we you know report. We try to get it all on. We're looking at Twitter to seeing what the most up-to-date news is, and so that is a good thing. At least we at least we have Twitter, and we can see what's going on, and then you can come to a you know an educated decision as to how you're going to critically think and 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 view the world through that lens and and see it for yourself. Daisy from Chicks on the Right here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Go back to something you mentioned earlier about you know telling your husband to load up on the ammo, and I'm assuming right. that's because we have a porous open border with. Uh, gotaways in the millions. Gotaways are people that haven't been uh, identified that are in this country illegally right now. Many of them military-aged men. We don't know where they are. We don't know who they are. And I'm just wondering if it's popped into anybody's head that it could be Hamas or Hezbollah or or oh something. God. I mean, we've had uh, what eighty to I could be wrong on the numbers. Eighty to a hundred of uh, people caught on the border that have been on a terrorist watch list, and those are the only the ones that we know about right now. Right, God knows who else. Right, I mean, we've had seven million illegals come over the border since Biden's taken office, and then you have Israeli intelligence openly saying to American Jews, "Stay out of big cities; they're not safe." How is that okay? Everybody mm. should be denouncing that and freaking out about that. You have Jake Sullivan. Sullivan, who's our national security advisor, last week on video, he's saying, oh, the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. I mean, that that freaks, (laughs) completely freaks me out. When you've got that guy saying, everything's fine, you guys, everything's fine. And so there's so much that we've just not been, again, I go back to the whole, what is the real story here? What is the real news? What are they not telling us? And so when we have all of these illegals pouring over the border and we don't, those people have not been vetted. We don't know who these people are. And then I have a, a good friend of mine, which you know, she told me years ago, and I said this on our show this morning, and I, you know, appropriate or not, I'll say it. I, she, she told me years ago, listen, people who want to kill us and have no good intentions in mind for us, they will wait a hundred years to do it. They will, they will live amongst us. They will sit, they will raise children to hate us and they'll, they'll wait. They will be patient and they'll wait. And I feel like, you know, that's, it, when she said it at the time, I was like, okay, I mean, that's all right, whatever. But now that I'm seeing what's happening, and you look in New York City over the weekend, and some of the videos that I saw where, where there are just countless, countless people who are, is, is, you know, countless Islamists who are full of hate, and they are praising what happened. Oh, there's one scheduled the here in Indy on Thursday. I believe there's one oh scheduled God. on Monument Circle Thursday at 530. It's just unbelievable that the sheer numbers of people that were just chanting and so happy, just delighted about what happened over the weekend. And, you know, praising what happened at that music festival, saying that they were hipsters and that they're probably just fine. Well, oh, at least 260 people were killed brutally 
attacked and murdered at that festival. So, I, you know, I truly believe that we're going to see a terror attack here in the U.S. very soon. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, I really believe that. And, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But I think it's okay to say to people, have your head on a swivel. Be very careful. Just be diligent when you're out and about. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that because when you have Jake Sullivan, our national security advisor, saying, oh, everything's fine and the Middle East is, you know, quieter today and safer than it has been in two decades. And then this happened over the weekend. I think I have every right to say that out loud. Daisy, we've got about 30 seconds left here. I know that's a short time for kind of a loaded question, but does the Biden administration, does the United States bear some of the blame for what happened? Well, I sure do feel sick about that $6 billion. I mean, I felt really sick to my stomach about all of that over the weekend. And the fact that we're not just giving Iran the big, fat middle finger on a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I, I do. I feel sick about the way that he's handled um, just foreign relations in general. And I think he, and the fact that he was at a barbecue over the weekend. Yeah. I mean, the optics, gross. It's so gross. This administration is an absolute and total disgrace. Where can we follow some of your work? Chicksontheright.com, you guys. Go there. You can find everything, and we'd be delighted to have you. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Thank you, Daisy. Emma and Nigel presents. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer. How do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You be the judge. You be the one to give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Hit me. So we already knew RFK Jr. was running for the presidency. Today, he announced he's running as an independent. This country is ready for a history-making change. They're ready. They are ready to reclaim their freedom their independence. And and that's why I'm here today. I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate. Yeah, got away from the Democrats. He knew he'd never have a shot at uh, getting votes as a Democrat. Don't know how much of a shot he has as an independent. I think it might be bad for Donald Trump. Uh, you know, some of the independents that didn't know who to vote for, either Trump or Biden, they might go for RFK Jr. at this point. I like the guy. I think he was a real, uh, but boy, some of his climate change stuff, man, at one point in his career, he said he thought climate deniers should go to jail. <laughs> he walked that back a little bit, but I, I still need to read the book. My, my neighbor was kind enough to give me his book that he wrote about Anthony Fauci, the real Anthony Fauci and how he kind of, you know, but during the AIDS crisis, partner up with pharmaceutical firms instead of instead of looking at you know the off patent therapeutic treatments for AIDS, which is kind of the same thing he did with COVID. Um, so yeah, this is something. Do you think that he's going to pull vote, more votes for from Biden or Trump? Because I think it's Trump. I agree with you. I agree with it, you. It could be bad news for Trump. Normally, when there's a third party, it hurts the incumbent. But right now, even folks who voted for Biden back in 2020. A lot of them have some buyer's remorse, especially as we look at what's happening from a foreign policy standpoint right now. So there were a lot of folks that were going to kind of hold their nose and go into the ballot box and vote for a guy they don't like, but a guy they thought could do a better job in Donald Trump. Now that they've got another candidate to choose from, I'm with you. I think this is going to hurt Donald Trump more than it will Joe Biden. 
is this anything? Here's a guy seeing a rat pop out from under the hood of his car as he drives about 45 miles per hour on a highway <laughs> oh, no. in upstate New York. Holy hell, I just got way upstate and I brought a rat with me from Brooklyn. Get where to go. <laughs> I don't know where it went. Just don't eat my wires. The only thing you can do is just kind of keep driving. I mean, the comments on the social media is like, put the windshield wipers on. There's no grip there or anything like that. So I was amazed by it. So the rat oh. pops out from underneath the hood. Yeah, I was watching the video earlier. He's just driving and <laughs> he just, while he's driving, yeah. pops out from underneath the hood. And that was my first thought. Turn on the windshield wipers. Get him off there like a bee or a bug right. or something like that. I don't know why I didn't try that, but that's pretty gross. That's ugh. I have nightmares. Nightmares about how like rats will jump up and fight my neck and just i mean good thing i don't live in new york city because that should tell you how fearless the rats are from new york city well they don't care yeah they're like stunt rats now like this rat is doing the same thing that like brian baker does right he's gonna get into a car and do some sort of stunt these are fearless rats (laughs) and when you look at some of the rats in new york compared to other places it's not even close it's like rats on steroids in new york city these are big scary mamma jammas like you better have a baseball bat (laughs) to defeat some of these things is this anything Here's a dermatologist with a warning about three places on the body that you probably don't wash enough. Okay. Behind your ear. If you like this behind your ear and you notice an odor to it or you feel something, you should be washing it more. This is also a super common area to get flaking and build up like dandruff. Also not washing your belly button enough. This is a super common area to collect sweat, debris, dirt, Lint. build up. In fact, if you're not cleaning it enough, develop up so much debris and dirt in there that you can develop a navel stone. Finally, you're definitely not cleaning your fingernails enough. In showering, you really need to get under those nails with a scrub brush to get rid of the dirt, mm. debris, and build up. If you keep getting bacterial infections on the skin, folliculitis, you could be a colonizer of MRSA in those Good areas. Lord. Human beings are just so gross, man. Yeah, that's something. And I'm looking at you, like, especially with your your navel, like your belly button. Right. Like, if you... I was watching this TikTok earlier of this woman going through this, and she showed what a, like, a black navel stone is. And what it is is disgusting. <laughs> and I quite potentially have the possibility to start gagging right now during this segment. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I noticed she didn't say uh, taint. Yeah. The, <laughs> it actually came in at number four, actually. It just, okay, all right, just it. made the list. Would you love to hear that woman? And number four, the taint. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's got a special guest on the WIBC hotline. He is a 2A instructor. He's a man that has put together some of the gun laws in the state of Indiana, and he's the host of the Gun Guy Show. Guy Relford joins us. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great, you guys, and thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest. And PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. Guy, I'm going to play some audio for you here in a moment from the mayoral debate last night where the topic of guns came up. But before we get there... 
the biggest story in the world is what's happening with Israel right now. I'm curious as to your perspective. Man, I'll tell you, uh, as, as I've seen some of that video and seen that story unfold, you guys, uh, I've gone right back, as you, for me, you'd probably expect, I go right back to the wording of our Second Amendment and, and why it is that our founders had the extreme wisdom to make sure that the right to keep and bear arms was preserved uh, in our Constitution, because it says right there in the, in, the, in the first phrase, necessary for the security of a free state. I mean, and, 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 and if you're one of those folks that, you know, whose, whose home's been invaded uh, or your family's been taken hostage, uh, God forbid you've, you've, you've had uh, family members murdered, um, what, what are those words? Necessary for the security of a free state. What do those words mean to you right now? And, and because that's, uh, that's exactly why we have a Second Amendment. And so um, it's not just... You know, as we hear from our idiot politicians all the time, uh, you know, you don't need that gun for hunting deer or you don't need that gun for hunting ducks uh, or, you know, or you don't need a Kevlar vest to hunt deer, as our president likes to say. That's not what it's about. It's about necessary for the security of a free state. And when the citizenry is armed and the citizenry is 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 is, is prepared and equipped to to be that security for a free state. Then you avoid atrocities just like we're seeing unfold on the TV every hour now. And you know what else I thought about, Guy, is the fact that our border is wide open. And there are one point one and a half, one point seven million known gotaways. There have been 80 uh, apprehensions of uh, people trying to enter illegally with names that are on the terrorist watch list. Who made it through the border? that that didn't get caught you know what i'm saying like who is out there what is being planned is anybody from hamas anybody from hezbollah in this country right now planning similar attacks and i was just taking the exact same thing man i i it makes me want to go immediately to a gun store and and load up well, yeah, and to get the most, you know, effective uh, firearm uh, that, that that you can purchase and that you're uh, trained and and, and yes. comfortable managing, and that that's why we have the Second Amendment. That's why those arms um, that are commonly used for lawful purposes are protected, as our Supreme Court says. But no, you're right, and and you know, government government is, as defined in our Constitution is supposed to be very very limited. But one of the powers it's supposed to have and it's supposed to accomplish is the maintain the security of our borders that's the job of the federal government and that's built right into the constitution and and while the federal government wants to regulate in all these areas that our founders never envisioned in a million years including restricting our second amendment rights um, what they're not doing is doing what they are supposed to do and what they're specifically charged to do in the constitution maintaining our borders and the security and integrity of our borders so if our if our if our government's not going to do that, does that mean it's just not not going to get done, or does that mean it's left to the citizens uh, to defend their, their themselves, their homes, and their families? I I know we all know the answer to that question. And guy, you're so right. Next time someone says, "Well, why does anybody need an AR-15?" You can point to what's happening here in Israel as to the answer to that question. At this point, you're not worried about maybe an attack from the government. You're worried about some sort of home invasion that could be coordinated and funded. So I think that's an important part of this conversation. Now, 
Well, gonna, you're you're, you're dead on. You're de- and you're dead on from a historical perspective too, because that's why both the word security and free are in the pre- that preamble in the Second Amendment, because security is referring specifically to, to helping the government repel a foreign invader. Invader secure, security of a free state makes sure that, that we can also stand up to the government if it becomes tyrannical as well. That's exactly what those two words mean. So you nailed it. So this brings us to our backyard of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm going to play you a soundbite here. We got a couple different clips I want to get your opinion on. We're going to start with Jefferson Shreve because last night was the first mayoral debate. Now, last night's was predominantly about issues that matter to the black community, but the topic of firearms came up. So I'm going to play you this soundbite from Jefferson Shreve, and then I want to get your reaction, guy. Allison, go ahead. If I were a legislator, I'm running for a management position, but were I a legislator, and if I had heard the testimony uh, of Superintendent Doug Carter or our chief, uh, Taylor, who asked that we keep in place the permitting requirements if you want to conceal carry a weapon, I would have been persuaded by that testimony and left that in place. I think that the lawful age of gun purchases should be harmonized at 21. There's a carve out for, for private gun and knife shows, things like that. But there is a way to do this, and I will work through the, 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 the proper channels with those relationships that I talked about leveraging at the front end of this debate this evening at the General Assembly as part of my legislative priorities package toward trying to get those things done in ways that can be implemented. So that was Jefferson Shreve last night at the debate, still talking about how he's going to be some sort of deal maker to make this thing happen that they want to happen in Marion County. What's your perspective? Well, you know, I was in the room uh, when the legislature heard the testimony of of Superintendent Carter, and and you guys have heard me say many times I respect uh, Doug Carter a lot, um, but the committee and the entire legislature heard his testimony. They heard from Chief Taylor. Uh, they also heard the facts. They heard the facts from, at the time, the, the 23 other states that had adopted permitless carry and learned that, the, no, there's no increase in crime. There's no increase in attacks on police officers. And they heard, they heard the facts. So, yes, we heard some emotional testimony, but then they also heard facts and they, and, and they, and, and they were able to get past uh, what we heard from law enforcement. Look, uh, is it a mystery that law enforcement likes the permitting process? Of course not. It makes their job easier. If I was a law enforcement officer, I would rather uh, be able to divide people up in terms of who has a gun. Those people with a permit don't go to jail. Those people without a permit uh, do go to jail. That's easy. But that's also punishing law-abiding citizens who just didn't happen to get permission from the government to exercise a constitutional right. That's what constitutional carry or permitless carry is all about. And, you know, and, and I would love for a 19- or 20-year-old service member who just got back you know, from Afghanistan or Iraq or served over there when they were in that time frame, in that age frame, and be able to come back and look at Jefferson Street and said, hold on. So what you're saying is the government can, can put an M4, you know, a, a firearm fully capable of automatic fire or, 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 or a drone or an artillery battery in my hands as an 18 or 19 or 20-year-old after training me to do so, and I can go defend this country in a foreign land and put my life on the, land, on the line, and then I come back to Indiana and I can't go into a gun store and buy a shotgun to go hunting with my dad? Are you serious? I mean, that, that's what people need to understand. We say, oh, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. First of all, 
under federal law, you have to be 21 to buy a pistol anyway. So Indiana can't affect that. No, by the way, that's already being reexamined uh, as to whether that's even constitutional. But separately, Indiana wants to, to change the law on long guns after, you know, 18, 19 and 20 year olds are eligible for military service. But they can't go in and buy a rifle or a shotgun uh, to defend themselves with. Uh, or to go hunting with their with their family. That's ridiculous, and uh, and it's just pandering to what he perceives as the liberal base in Marion County in order to try to steal some votes from you know the other liberal trying to pander right. to the same base, which is Joe Hogsett. That's why it's such a it's such a losing strategy. So that was the soundbite we played. The Republican candidate. I'm going to play you the <laughs> yeah, right, Democrat yeah. incumbent here, Joe Hogsett, and let me know if, if you can tell any difference. Uh, we have passed at the city council level, uh, city county council level, increase the buying age to 21. We're not, I'm not talking about just doing nothing. I'm talking about taking action. And that's exactly what we've done. The city county council, with the administration's support, has raised uh, the, the an ordinance, uh, raising the uh, age of carry uh, to or buying a gun to 21. We have already, as an ordinance here in the city of Indianapolis, banned permitless carry. We've banned the uh, purchase of, semi, uh, of uh, military-style uh, assault weapons. Uh, and now uh, we will advocate vigorously over in the halls of the General Assembly to have Marion County released from the preemption with laws that are already in effect that would take effect upon passage of that preemption. I think that's a very important step that we have taken. It's action toward the end. And besides, we've also added three additional special assistant United States attorneys to prosecute nothing but gun violence and violent crime in Marion County. So, Guy, if you're somebody that doesn't follow this kind of stuff very closely and you hear those two candidates and I said, which one of these do you think is the Republican? I think a lot of people might get it wrong. I think a lot of people say none of the above. Yeah, right, right. I'm still. I'm. St- I, all I heard was two liberal Democrats. I'm waiting still to hear still to hear from the Republican. But you know, in, in terms of Hogs that say, "No, oh, we've already passed this in Marion County." Yeah, and it's contingent on the repeal of the preemption statute, there's no appetite in the General Assembly. Just because some liberals in Marion County, okay, one's got an R next to his name, doesn't matter. The fact that a couple of liberals from Marion County go to the General Assembly and say, hey, we want you to undo what you did in 2011, which is prevent municipalities, local governments from doing this exact thing. Um, we want you to undo that because some liberals in Marion County really want you to. Oh, hell no. It doesn't have a chance. But in fact, what they don't understand and what neither of these candidates are smart enough to understand or at least smart enough to care about is that they've given us, those who support the preemption law, the perfect argument for why we should always have the preemption law, which is look at the unconstitutional garbage that these people want to put in place. In fact, Marion County's already put in place contingent on the of the statute if, in fact, the statute were to go away. There are, every one of these provisions is unconstitutional. Every single one of them is going to be defeated in court, but it's going to, it's going to take litigation and it's going to take people getting arrested or fined or otherwise had their rights infringed for the, these people to, then just simply to try to garner some votes um, during an election. And in the meantime, it, it, what's the only thing that stands in our way 
is a law that we should have forever in this state, and that's the preemption law. And they've unwittingly given us the perfect argument for why this should be the law for generations. Guy, if somebody wants to ask you a question or continue this conversation, where can they find you? Hey, follow me on Twitter, man, uh, or X, I suppose. It's at Guy Relford. Guy, you're the best. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock What we have seen here along the border, pure devastation. Mothers holding their injured children, pulling them out of cars and putting them into ambulances. Soldiers trying to revive their friends who died in front of our cameras. It is hell on earth for the population of Israel as this conflict has erupted with Hamas and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the country is at war. Fox News journalist Trey Yinks embedded down in Israel. The death toll keeps rising, a thousand plus. At least nine Americans dead. Hammer reportings, uh, reports of more missing, possibility of being held hostage. Which, you know, we just had Hamas come out and make a statement and said, "Hey, we're going to start killing these people soon." And the Wall Street Journal confirming what most of us already knew who follow this kind of stuff. Iran helped plot this attack over a several-week span. The world's largest sponsor of terror, Iran, helping Hamas. Hmm. Imagine that. You know, what's gross to me, though, Nige, and we talked about this earlier in the show, but you've got people coming out supporting the Palestinians here. Like, look, I understand it's a very complicated situation here, but women, children are being brutally murdered and slaughtered. These Hamas terrorists, and let's call them that because they're not militants, they're terrorists. I keep on seeing the word militant in mainstream media. No, they're terrorists going door to door, dragging bodies through the streets, and yet you've got people supporting that. BLM Indy is going to be a part of this rally that's taking place Thursday at 5.30 here on Monument Circle. Fun group of people. Just absolutely disgusting. And also, you know, the insult to injury, we're hearing reports that U.S. military equipment left behind in Afghanistan was ultimately purchased by Iran and could have been used in these attacks. I'm uh, 99.9% certain it was. No question. Keep in mind, it was General Milley. It was his call on keeping all of the military equipment in Afghanistan during that botched withdrawal, instead of either burning it all up, destroying it, or gassing it up and taking it somewhere else. It was his call to leave it there. Donald Trump was speaking at an event this weekend, and he talked about General Milley's decision. You got a $50 million airplane, you got a $29 million gorgeous helicopter. We had every type of helicopter, many of them brand new, literally out of the box, $70 million planes. You mean you think it's cheaper to leave it there so they can have it than it is to fill it up with a half a tank of gas and fly it into Pakistan or fly it back to our country? You think, yes, sir, we think it's cheaper, sir. That's when I realized I was a fing idiot. <laughs> What, did I hear effing idiot? That was Trump talking about Millie? Correct. Wow. That's when I knew he was an effing 
idiot. Um, the Minister of Defense in Israel, quote, the rules of war have changed. We will cripple Gaza so that it will remember it for the next 50 years. Yeah, nobody's getting in or out of there right now. Nobody's coming in or out. The, you know, no electricity, no food, no water, nothing. And the images that we're seeing already are some of the most gruesome yeah. things I've seen. I, I can't look at it. I won't look at it. I'm and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Like, this is real world stuff. This is real life. This isn't the movies. I was scrolling through Twitter over the weekend, and just somebody that I follow posted this video of a gruesome mm. axe attack. No. Innocent civilians being attacked in their home, having their heads butchered with an axe. That's what's going on here. And I think a young generation in this country is in for an eye-opening experience of what war really is. Because the Israelis, they're fired up. They are ready to roll. Here is Fox News host and veteran Pete Hegseth. Yeah, I'm not worried about how the Republicans would respond to this. I mean, how many wars were started under Donald Trump's watch? Not Ukraine, not this. The White House is staffed by millennial, pro-Palestinian millennials. It is. Whose reflex is to tweet both sidesism? You know, hey, both sides are responsible. That's their reflex. In fact, the Palestinian branch of the State Department in Israel tweeted something just like that right away and then deleted it. That's their instinct. Brain both oh, both sides. Calm down, everybody. I watched Palestinian. It weren't just terrorists. This is an army go in and pull grandmas out and murder women and children. And what Israel's about to do is bring hell down on Hamas if they do it right. I'm I mean real war, not like TV war, real war, stacking bodies, dead people, because Bibi Netanyahu's not going to mess around here. What happens when that happens? Will the pro-Palestinian millennials stay off their Twitter keep? I don't think they're going to be able to resist, let alone the squad. So it's going to take real fortitude to actually stand behind Israel. Yeah, once the Israelis decide it's officially on. Now, they're already fighting back. Let's not get it twisted. There's a lot of dead Palestinians, dead terrorists from Hamas. But it hasn't even come close to starting for the Israelis yet. And this is a big, powerful military, and this is personal to them. So, buckle up. This is not going to get pretty anytime soon. Uh, Nigel, last night, the first of a few of the indie mayoral debates was held. Oh, boy. Hogsett v. Shreve. Now, this one was kind of specific to the needs of the black community. Okay. So, obviously, the issues that were brought up were catered to a specific audience last night. The topic of the IMPD was brought up. Is it diverse enough? Here is Boss Hogg said. Too many of our neighborhoods feel as if uh, they uh, are uh, policed and not protected and served. We've got to change that mindset, and we've got to make real progress in that area as well. So, again, Joe Hogg said taking a shot at the IMPD which he always does. Oh, yeah. They're police, not protected. He did it the day after the riots. (laughs) The first time he showed up, (laughs) actually, from allegedly somewhere else. Um, Okay, so that was Boss Hogg said. Here is the air quotes Republican Jefferson Shreve. We moved salaries from 39,000 for a first year uh, uh, officer up to 72. And that's pretty good money. 
And I believe that we're going to be able to attract uh, people from communities of color to better represent the force that reflects this city. I understand this was catered to the African-American community last night, but can we just attract decent police officers, no matter what the color or ethnicity? Somebody who wants to do the job? Yes. And not have to worry about being criticized by their skin color, by whoever wins this mayor's race. I mean, I watched this full thing this morning. I came in a little bit early today, and I watched the YouTube stream of this. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is the stuff I do for you guys listening to the show. And, of course, throughout this entire debate, and it was well over an hour, Jefferson Shreve, no attack against Joe Hogsett. And Joe Hogsett's standing up there with a big fat lip, and he looks gross and disgusting because he, wink, wink, fell wearing flip flops. <laughs> he's an old man. He's late 70s. Old men do that. Yeah, they also binge drink. Um, <laughs> they do. Allegedly. And then you've got Jefferson Shreve, who lets him off the hook. Did not ask where he was at during the riots, did not bring up any of that stuff. What a weak, weak campaign so far from Jefferson Shreve. I had such high hopes, Nige. I'm so disappointed. And not only him, but the awful people running his campaign and the Marion County Republican group who thinks this is some sort of winning strategy. Unbelievable. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest in the hotline. Kevin Bowen is one half of the morning show on our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan, KB and Andy. KB, let's start with the injury. What do we know about the timeline of Richardson's return for the Colts? Yeah, unfortunately, it sounds like he is going to miss some time. Uh, Colts still waiting. You know, just kind of official word and confirmation on how much time, but, you know, that's that's the bummer from yesterday, guys, is, you know, honestly, when you and I have had these Monday calls throughout the year, we've been talking about uh, different types of injuries, four different types of injuries, uh, four different body parts, all from runs outside of the pocket, and Richardson's development is so, so vital and, and precious this season and, and needed and all of that, and I think you'd be uh, beyond naive to just sit here and act like, oh, this is a fluke, everything will be fine. Um, you know, how long he can sustain this, the window of his career. Unfortunately, I think all of those are, you know, questions that deserve to be asked right now. And we're hearing it's an AC joint sprain of the shoulder. I guess if you're looking at the glass half full, it's not a complete separation. So I guess, would this be encouraging news, Kevin? Yeah, you know, we'll have to wait to see if surgery is needed or not. You know, some guys, you know, they can rehab this and return rather quickly. And then, you know, if the grade is severe enough, it could be a little bit more of an extended period of time. Um, Again, I I just think the bummer is he's expected to miss multiple weeks. And I think when you get into this sort of part of the season, you're playing a huge game on Sunday in Jacksonville. I mean, that would be such a great opportunity for him to, uh, to experience that. And, Unfortunately, I mean, you're going to look back on his rookie season, and it, even if he does play, you know, whatever the final you know, month and a half, two months of the season, you're still looking at a guy that missed quite a bit of time with, a, again, a, a variety of injuries. I, I think that's something that if you look at the types of hits that have sent him out of games, I don't think they're the most malicious hits or 300-pounders falling on him in the pocket. And then also, um, again, we're talking about four different body parts. It's not like he's just had like a nagging ankle or you know, some sort of different injury that, that, that showed up time and time again. 
Yeah. And is this just a reality that Colts fans are going to have to live with when we have this type of quarterback with his style and his motion and his um, his mobility? Yeah, Nigel, it's probably a fair way to put it. I mean, certainly, you know, the Colts would counter and say, you know, 6'4 and 240. You know, we, we felt like, you know, he, he could withstand more of that. And certainly he is a much different style quarterback than they're used to. Um, but you also do expose him to more hits when you, uh, you know, have his style. Like, you can't ignore running him because why else would you draft him number four overall? That's such an element that the, that made him as attractive as he was. And I, I think the bummer is he's shown you promise. Like, it would be one thing if you had early season inconsistencies of his playing. We would just chalk that up to, okay, you know, he's still growing. You know, he needs time. He needs support around him, et cetera, et cetera. Now the question a month into it is, you know, can he stay healthy enough? Well, it's hard to, like, improve that. It's hard to, you know, try and, oh, yeah, if we just do this and do that, A plus B, that should all of a sudden equal a little bit better results. Injury situations don't just, they don't fall into that same category as, you know, player improvement. So now it's Minshew mania. Gardner Minshew becomes the guy to lead the Indianapolis Colts. And you mentioned it earlier, big divisional road game, first place on the line at Jacksonville this Sunday. Does this offense change with Gardner Minshew calling the shots? Yeah, certainly. And again, credit to Shane Sykin, Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's been thrown into the second quarters of two different divisional games this season. And for the most part, it's been about what you would dream of from a backup quarterback. I mean, we've seen it here in this market. I mean, when backups get thrown into the middle of a game like that, it can be volatile. It can be up and down and probably more down than, than up. And, you know, Minshew led a trio of scoring drives yesterday, including that clock-eating drive that kind of iced the game. But certainly stylistically, you aren't going to run the quarterback. I don't think you're going to pepper opposing defenses with shots down the field. You're going to lean on Zach Moss and now Jonathan Taylor and, and certainly try to hope that your offensive line and your defense can continue to play pretty good football for you. Uh, but I think Minshew has also proven he can be an efficient quarterback. It's not just the explosive nature down the field or with his legs that you would have with Richardson. Yeah, the running back, Zach Moss, love what we saw out of him yesterday. And now with kind of the one-two punch with him and Jonathan Taylor, uh, that certainly uh, bodes well for Gardner Minshew in the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Moss is outstanding again yesterday. I mean, he obviously had the big run, the 57-yard touchdown run. But even if you take that out, he still had, I think it was 22 carries for 109 yards, which is a great you know, average if you slice that down to yards per carry. And it came against the number one ranked run defense. So, you know, him, I thought rookie Josh Downs, number one, um, the young wideout had a really nice game. And those are two at the start of the year, if you would told me, hey, the Colts are going to win a big week five divisional game. First time they've beaten Tennessee in five times. First time they've won a home game in nearly a year. I would not have had Zach Moss and Josh Downs at top the <laughs> You know, reasons why, but certainly if you're picking a runner and if you're picking a pass catcher, those two would be atop that list from yesterday. So Jonathan Taylor got his wish. Jonathan Taylor and his agent, they got exactly what they were looking for. Your thoughts? Yeah, an absolutely crazy end to the story. And um, certainly a wild kind of 48 hours from Taylor's press conference on Thursday to putting pen to paper and obviously making his debut 
been yesterday. Yeah, I don't know how much you guys and I have talked about this, but I, I, could, I think I remember a conversation right before the season started where I had kind of pegged three-year extension for $39 million. To me, that, that, that slotted him in a range of not the top two running backs in the league, but kind of right on more of those traditional first and second down runners. That's what Taylor is. And again, the Colts have the money to spend. They don't spend money very often. To me, when you're talking about a player that directly impacts Anthony Richardson, still one of 24 years old, uh, it made a lot of sense to kind of do this do it on, on the three-year extension timeline. Uh, ended up being $42 million, so a little bit more. But hammered to your earlier point, as much as the childish soap opera drama played out in a very public manner, boy, Jonathan Taylor and his agent got exactly what they wanted. I mean, he, he right. sat out the first four weeks of the season. We can debate how healthy he was. He got paid all four of those weeks, and now he really gets paid with this extension and a lot of guarantees within it. So, again, uh, at times I thought it was very junior highest drama. But at the end of the day, uh, certainly Taylor wins. And obviously the Colts win as well because they you know, give an offense that I think lacks explosive playmakers. They give Anthony Richardson or Andrew Gardner Minshew that type of guy. KB, we're up against it. We've got about 30 seconds left, though. But is there any concern, though, that the other players on this team, let's say Anthony Richardson is somebody you want to resign. He's seen exactly what's going on here. If you act like a clown, if your agent runs his mouth, you can get exactly <laughs> what you want. Isn't that a bad precedence to set? Yeah, it's a totally fair point, Hammer. I would say, like, yes, they acted like a clown, but they also had a resume that was, you know, kind of Ivy League-like resume. I mean, this was the guy that set a franchise record for your rich, rich running back history just a couple of years ago. He led the NFL in rushing. He has the highest yards per carry of any running back in league history through three years. So not every guy in that locker room can take that resume to Chris Ballard and take that resume to Jim Irsay. So I think that's where you do have a little bit of a different precedent just in terms of can you back it up? It's one thing to run your mouth. Can you back it up with your resume? And Taylor certainly has one that I think is worth it. Kevin Bowen, 107.5 The Fan. Catch him mornings, uh, KB and Andy. Kevin, you're the best. Thank you. You bet. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there. Over a 1,000 people massacred in a terrorist attack in Israel. Some of those were Americans. Hamas is a terrorist organization that was responsible, backed by Iran. We'll go to a top expert on Israel and senior editor at large for Breitbart, Joel Pollack. Joel, thank you for coming on such short notice. What's your overall assessment of what you've seen in Israel over the past weekend and the, the ensuing response? Well, this is an existential threat to Israel, a terror attack that's the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust and it's serious, the most serious breach of Israeli security since the founding of the state of Israel. Many people have described it, including the spokesman for the Israeli army, as the worst day in Israel's history. Mm. Not just because of the scale, which is bad enough, but because of the way in which people were killed, innocent people, mothers, children, grandmothers, teenagers at a dance party, killed abused, tortured, kidnapped. Now, over 100 Israelis are currently being held by Hamas and Islamic Jihad in the Gaza Strip. This is not something that Israel can tolerate. These scenes on social media, some of the videos of people being loaded into trucks, their bodies trampled by Palestinian gunmen, these are scenes from the Nazi Holocaust of the Second World War. And Israel has now mobilized 300,000 reservists in the past 48 hours 
that more than doubles the size of the Israeli military in the field. They're going into Gaza and they're going in hard. How in the world could this have escaped uh, intelligence officials? How did they not see this coming? I think that Israeli intelligence and U.S. intelligence were monitoring the situation and probably understood that Palestinian terrorists were working with Iran and were preparing some kind of attack. But I think there was a false sense of security because the conventional wisdom was that Hamas was too weakened by past rocket wars to mount any kind of large-scale attack. And also, if you recall, earlier this year there was a skirmish between Israel and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is an Iranian terror group, and Israel won that very decisively, and Hamas did not even intervene. So the conventional wisdom was Hamas was being careful. They knew they were too weak to face Israel. They wanted to conserve their resources, and they were just happy to control the humanitarian aid that came into the Gaza Strip. So that turns out to have been an incorrect conclusion that Hamas was, in fact, biding its time and preparing for this kind of attack. A very low-tech attack in some ways, cutting holes through a fence, driving trucks through. In some ways, a very high-tech attack because they used drones to knock out Israeli observation posts along the border. That's not technology that's homegrown. That's technology that comes from Iran. And it may have, in fact, been operated by Iranian special forces. We don't know. Mm. But... The ability to target something effectively using drones that aren't assembled, as far as we know, in the Gaza Strip means that they got help from Iran and maybe even from Russia, because Iran, of course, is working with Russia in deploying drones in the field against Ukrainian forces. So this was a sophisticated attack. It used primitive methods mixed with very high-tech methods, probably supplied by Iran. And it came as a surprise because... Both Israel and the United States assumed that these regimes were, at least for now, going to sit on their hands. The Biden administration certainly felt that way. They've been negotiating with Iran, giving them $6 billion for American hostages, trying to get them to negotiate an Iran deal. They probably presumed that Iran would not want to start some hostilities. And Israel felt the same way about Hamas, that they had taken a beating in the last several conflicts and they didn't want to get involved. So that turned out to have been wrong. And Iran and Hamas and other Palestinian groups teamed up to carry out this atrocity, which is being celebrated, by the way, yeah. on the streets of the United States by left-wing groups like the Democratic Socialists of America. Luckily, there's bipartisan support for Israel, but the people out in the streets celebrating Palestinians ripping children from their families and parading naked women's bodies on the streets of Gaza. Congratulations, you've now achieved a new low in human immorality. Joel, Jason Hammer here. One of the things I heard Nikki Haley say over the weekend, former UN ambassador, is we don't know who's coming across our border right now, and when the United States gets distracted, things like this happen worldwide. Do you feel there's any chance or any fear that the same people chanting death to Israel, death to America, all in the same breath, might be trying to plan something here on the United States mainland? Of course. Well, they've planned things before. But also, they have, in fact, killed Americans. I mean, many Americans were among those killed and captured, not just Jewish Americans. I think when the stories come out, we may find that there were simply tourists who were at a rave festival or just checking out the place who, unfortunately, were 
wrapped up in this. And it's a big problem for Hamas because they've now got, well, let me put it this way. It would have been a big problem if Donald Trump were president because, or Ronald Reagan. You did not mess with Americans when those guys were president. We don't know about Joe Biden. He's shown a propensity to give away a lot of money and to trade prisoners and so forth. I hope he doesn't this time, but that's where we are. America is already being targeted and our southern border is porous. I've said for a long time that it's a national security problem, not an immigration problem. And it infuriates me when the White House is asked a question about the southern border and they answer by talking about immigration reform legislation rather than talking about enforcing the border. Now they're going to build 20 miles of wall, which they made fun of Trump for building. But, you know, there only is one thing that works, and that is to have physical barriers and very, very tight patrols and controls of the border. Even that may not be enough. I mean, look at what happened in Israel where they just cut through the fence. But you need at least some physical barrier to slow down the invasion of a potential enemy. And we have a porous southern border. If a terror organization wanted to bring terrorists, God forbid, into the United States and just drive into border towns and start shooting people, they could do so. Breitbart News Senior Editor-at-Large Joe Pollack here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So in terms of response and retaliation, are we talking Israeli boots on the ground in Gaza? What, What do they do now? What is the response? I think they're going to continue attacking Hamas and Islamic Jihad sites. And I think after a period of bombardment, we will see Israeli troops march through field by field, street by street, and they will fight Hamas. And they will encounter booby-trapped homes and streets and all kinds of terrible dangers. But this is going to be a street-by-street fight to get rid of the terrorists next door. I think they're going to be boots on the ground. There are going to be a lot of destroyed buildings. There will be a lot of Palestinian casualties because that's what happens when your country starts a war and starts a war against civilians. I think that Israel is going to have to do whatever it takes to get rid of Hamas in Gaza. And Joel, you say whatever it takes, and that's something we've been talking about throughout the show. The scenes we've already seen are pretty grisly, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Like, There's a whole younger generation out there that has no idea what real, horrific, grisly war looks like. And with a lot of these videos being put out on social media, I've seen a lot on Twitter over the weekend. I think this is going to be really eye-opening for a lot of people. It's going to be eye-opening. It's a reminder that the Palestinian cause, sadly, at least as it has been led throughout history, has always been associated with violence and destruction. It's probably the most destructive political cause since the Second World War. And it's the reason we stand in security lines at airports. It's the reason that airplane hijacking became a thing. It's the reason suicide bombing became a thing. The Palestinian cause is a negative cause. There are never any pro-Palestinian demonstrations around anything else except killing Israelis. They don't come out on any holidays of their own. They just come out on Israel's Independence Day and protest the existence of Israel. It doesn't have to be this way. Ordinary Palestinians, many of them who live in the area, want simply to go about their lives. They want a better life for themselves and their families. But the leaders of these Palestinian organizations and the people who support them outside of the region, like the people showing up in Times Square or San Francisco yesterday, they are 
part of the problem because they encourage extremism. They encourage terrorism against innocent civilians. Not just encourage, they celebrate it. They want it. Yeah. They view it as a victory. They, they think it's a great victory. Iran called it a great victory because they dragged the bodies of women through the streets. That's a great victory for Iran. And, and so, you know, this is the kind of thing that no society can tolerate. And so while the loss of life on both sides is going to be regrettable, there are going to be many Israeli casualties, and there are going to be many more Palestinian casualties until Hamas is completely eliminated, and Israel may have to retake Gaza. They may have to occupy it again militarily. They may have to annex it or parts of it to maintain security in the future. But this is clear proof that coexisting alongside an armed terrorist state is not viable. And and by the way, the cause of a Palestinian state, the so-called two-state solution, is now dead. There will be no Palestinian state next to Israel. Uh, Israel cannot afford it. And I don't even think the Palestinians want it. They just want to end Israel. They don't actually want their own state. That cannot be allowed to happen. Finally, Joe, what's the United States' role in all of this? I know there's some aircraft carriers headed that way, or maybe they're already there. What is that message sending? Well, it sends a number of messages. First of all, there are Americans who are being held captive by these Palestinian terrorists. So it raises the prospect that American special forces might actually go into Gaza and rescue the American hostages. They may leave it to the Israelis to do that, but it does become something that the Palestinian terrorists have to think about. Secondly, it sends a message to Iran that if this escalates, if Iran decides to open up a second front by attacking Israel from Lebanon, they will face an onslaught from Israel that may be backed by the firepower of the United States. And, you know, what they see on the surface is the aircraft carrier. What they don't see are the submarines. Mm. And we have naval assets that can deploy very quickly to the region. And if it comes to that, if it comes to the kind of confrontation that Iran escalates, I do think that there's a possibility this may end up with an attack on Iran. And so I think the United States is there, as, as they have been in the past, under both parties' administrations, to say that the United States will back Israel militarily in an attack on Iran. Obama wasn't always there, I should say. Obama often thwarted Israeli efforts to project a military deterrent threat against Iran. But for the most part, the United States has said, we are going to work with Israel if Israel has to do that. Trump certainly said that. Biden hasn't let that slip, although he's tried to negotiate with the Iranians and he's made all kinds of mistakes. But Basically, it sends a message that Iran has to think very carefully about its next moves because they may not just involve Israel. He is the senior editor at large, Breitbart News, Breitbart.com, for all the coverage, everything you need to know about what happened in Israel over the weekend. Joel, thanks for taking some time out of your day, and have a good week. You too. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. Sam Nigel show. Uh, last guests ran long, but it was totally worth it. If you want an in-depth analysis of what really is going on in Israel, go back and listen to our interview with Breitbart Senior Editor-at-Large Joel Pollack. And more coverage after 6 o'clock. Uh, my name is Nigel. That's Jason Hammer over there. I reached into the uh, to the pile of goods here, Hammers. We're... Uh, here, I'll hand, just, let me just hand this over to you see what we got here. <laughs> 
Sugarland Shine Sour Blue Raspberry Moonshine. <laughs> sour Blue Raspberry. And I like how you handed this to me with the lid open, so I spilled it all over myself. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks, Jagoff. All right. Let me pour a... <laughs> Do you want me to look it off of you? <laughs> Let me guess. You're also the same jokester that goes into a restaurant and unscrews the salt and pepper, right? So this is Sour Raspberry from Sugarlands down Boy, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You really got that all over you. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Cheers. I hate you. <laughs> That's good. That tastes like one of those... Um, That's good. Remember those like bomb pop ice cream popsicles yes. where it's red, white, and blue? Oh, man. That's what it tastes like here. So that's what we got here. Sugarlands Sour Blue Raspberry Shine.